From Bird and McHale to Pippen and Jordan to Kobe and Shaq, the evolution of the best two-man combinations in the NBA have brought us here, to Vancouver, Canada, where the shot is always wet because it never stops raining. The tyrants of the travel, gods of the goaltend, overlords of the over and back, from deep in the coop, this is the And None Podcast. Yeah, so Let's go. A good amount to me. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Why I would never wear a big baller shirt. No, I didn't Don't say that. Don't talk to me, but I heard you say I'm not even wearing I, I said that I... You're a great reporter, just not reporting on me. Next. Well, next. Well, next. Let me tell you something. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Anon Podcast after an extended holiday break in which I gained 10 pounds thanks to homemade cooking and shortbread cookies. We are back talking basketball again. We had a little break, there was a bit of a lull, but then Christmas Day came and the NBA is on everyone's mind and we're going to talk about what happened on Christmas and what is going to happen in the future and join with me to talk about it all and more is my co-host, the man himself, We The North, Graham Turner. Graham, how are you? It's difficult to be negative in the midst of such a fantastic Raptors run. So my spirits are buoyed. I'm positive. It's 2K18. I'm ready to go. All right, let's do it. So we're going to look at maybe some players, maybe some teams. And around the new year, there's something that likes that people like to do. I think it's have resolutions, make promises, claims, swear swear to their grave that they're going to change their lives for the better. Sometimes they happen in rare occasions, but often they do not. Together, we we've got a couple New Year's resolutions for teams and players, and if they follow these resolutions. Maybe a championship will be in their future. I think hopefully, right? It's like uh, you want to gain 50 pounds. You start going to the gym maybe a couple days in January. You fall off a little bit. You have a couple pizza parties. Boom, you're right back where you started. Exactly. I mean, all of this could happen if the Warriors just suddenly didn't exist for some weird and explicable reason. It was like some sort of Black Mirror event where they just get taken off the face of the earth. <laughs> exactly. Oh. James Harden can is... N- Incredibly excited for that possibility. All right, do you want to do you want to start off with the resolution today, or what? I would love to start off with the resolution. So my 2018, I'm going to go ahead and uh, supplant my resolutions for for these franchises here. And what I mean by resolution is these are the things that they have to do in order to achieve their ultimate goal of winning a championship. But it's not you know two years, three years from now. This is what they can do right now. So without further ado. The first New Year's resolution goes to the Los Angeles Lakers, who I think a lot of people expected to be a not a uh, not a contender by any means this year. But I think a lot of people were potentially slotting them into maybe the eight seed. They were very high on Lonzo Ball. They had you know a lot more players than they've had in the past, kind of coming out of that Kobe era, coming into the new uh, running gun young Luke Walton Lakers team. However, things haven't quite gone as expected here. And I think that the New Year's resolution for 2018 for the Los Angeles Lakers is to shut out the noise and go all in on Lonzo Ball and the man himself, KK Kyle Kuzma. Your thoughts? 
The Lakers situation and their season as a whole has been like a weird, unsatisfactory reality TV show. They start off, they were my league pass team. They still might even be my league pass team. They had high hopes, new draft picks, the the Lonzo Ball microscope upon them. But they were playing exciting basketball and they were middling around, maybe sneaking into a playoff spot, even though no one really believed that would happen. And now it's come to the point in which they have the second worst record in the NBA behind the Atlanta Hawks. And the tough situation with all of this is that they don't even hold their draft rights this year. So there is no incentive to tank, yet they're still falling apart. So I agree with you that they must decide now with what players they want to go and stick by or build a foundation around for the future. But I have a couple caveats in this in this uh, resolution you proposed because the one person that has impressed me the most throughout the entire year has been Brandon Ingram. Okay. Brandon Ingram was... It's the all-too-quick bust reaction that people had to him last year. He was still a noodle out there. And he, he had a horrible season. He had a 44% effective field goal percentage. He, uh, he was averaging 9 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. By all measures, for the number 2 pick in the draft, that, it, that doesn't cut it. Yet this year, he's already improved exponentially as a scorer, as an offensive threat as a whole slightly as a shooter, he's still struggling from three-point range, and as a defender. And he's now averaging 16-5-3 on a 46% effective field goal percentage. So there's already such a drastic improvement from year one to year two. This guy was... Some people ranked him above Ben Simmons in their draft board. The guy was an out-and-out talent, and I think he's proving... He was very timid... You can see he was uncertain. I mean, he's a young guy. Played one-year freshman basketball for Duke. And then he got thrust in the NBA with the Lakers. But he's already taken strides towards becoming that all-pro talent that everyone thought he was going to be. The, the KD light. So I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly perplexed as to why you'd rather build around Kuzma and Lonzo Ball. I think there are a couple things that have come to light with Lonzo Ball out. Mm-hmm. That he may have been more pivotal to their team's success than than previously thought. People, we talked about this in an earlier podcast too, I think Lonzo Ball's biggest flaw, the shooting inability to shoot, is just so much more glaringly obvious than other other areas where he's actually very mature for a rookie. So Underappreciated Lonzo Ball. It, it, it's weird to say that because you'd think he'd been getting overhyped every day going into that draft and... He'd Obviously, be, he'd be tearing it up in the Lithuanian league right now. <laughs> Golly. So, no, I agree that they need to pick Kuzma, Ball, but I'm adding Ingram in there as the people to build around. So, here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. Why did the Lakers hire Magic Johnson as their general manager? Why did they go in that direction? What, what do you think? I mean, the disarray that revolved around the... Um, the bus siblings. Sure. But what what do you think Magic Johnson has that it's no other It's the star power. It's to bring back yeah. the stars to the Lakers. Yeah. But this is the real issue I have with the whole Lakers situation and where they are at this point. Because there is non-stop rumors circulating between them and LeBron, them and Boogie, them and Paul George. All these hypotheticals. Sure. 
there were rumors between them and KD. But you know what? They didn't even get a... Oh, did they get a meeting? If they even got a meeting with KD, it went horribly wrong. They if, were not if my a, memory serves me they correctly. They were not in a position to sign KD at that point. So I have a huge issue with the Lakers' front office. And I think that is the problem with everything here. <laughs> is when you're courting these free agents and these rumors are circling... You're leaving young guys' futures out to dry. You're dangling them as trade pieces. And it's a, it's a horrible thing for any young player to develop. You wonder why they're losing so badly. And people are pointing the fingers to, towards Luke Walton now. Sure. But why would they point towards him? What what incentive does Julius Randle or Jordan Clarkson have to play night in, night out, and all uh, pro level because... Because they're getting paid. They get paid millions of dollars a year to be professional I understand that. I understand that, but that's also saying like, oh, well, a professional player gets millions. Why? Why do, can they complain and talk about social rights, social movements? No, 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 no. That is a weak comparison. They should play their hardest night in, night out because they get paid to play their hardest. You don't come to work every day. Okay, and say, you go into work every single day yeah. with the rumors that you're gonna get shipped off to fucking uh, Manitoba to con- conduct your your business. See yeah. how motivated you'd be when every single week you think you're playing good basketball. You pay me four million dollars a year, I'll live. In Prince George, I don't care. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this: you have this tool in Magic Johnson that really no other team has. No other team has Magic Johnson to go ahead and meet free agents to get people to come to LA, as if people needed more incentive to come to LA. You have these two incredibly exciting players that have taken the league by storm this year. Brandon Ingram, yeah, sure, he might be a really, really good player. He might be a four-time All-Star. I really, I it's impossible to say at this point. But what you just said in giving your young players confidence is exactly what I'm saying. Go to Lonzo, go to Kyle and say, look, you guys are my guys and we're going to try and get you all the help you can get. What's the point of having Brandon Ingram and Paul George on the same team? Because in this league, at this era, there's nothing more valuable than versatile wings. But (laughs) Brandon Ingram struggles so badly in playing defense. Like, I don't think... I don't think his value to the team exceeds the potential of getting some of these free agents. And if him and Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson and these guys are unmotivated, well, guess what? You're going to be even more unmotivated when you go and play for Atlanta next year. He he is motivated. I don't know. There's no way that they're trained Brandon Ingram. They've taken him out of any trade talks the entire offseason before after a horrible campaign. Now he's shown development. There's no reason in my mind why they would trade him. I agree with you that you... They need a clear I- identification of which players they're going to move forward with. And maybe this year is an assessment period. But what they've done, everything they've led up to where they are now, has been awful. Yeah. And I understand what you're saying. Okay, Julius Randle and Clarkson, you should still be playing, balling out, even though your future is in doubt. Well, you're but playing for, for them, your contracts. I, I, okay, I understand that too. But they were both leading one of the best benches in the league through, throughout the start of the season. Okay. And then, still, there's no support behind them. They have traded away their number two pick from a handful of years ago to get rid of this awful, awful contract they signed with Mozgov. They still have this weird, crappy contract with Lawal Deng that's going to be a hiccup for any kind of crazy free agent moves that they could make. And the biggest thing with this whole situation, again, is that with no incentive to tank... This year and the performance they put out on the court, the product they put out on the court, that is your recruitment tool towards free agents. And sure, Magic Johnson is a hard person to say no to. You get in there if you're Paul George and you're an LA native. It's going to be incredibly hard to turn down the history, the legacy, and Magic Johnson Magic Johnson staring you in the face and getting you on board of the Lakers franchise. But 
Nevertheless, they're playing so badly and their players aren't proving. Why would you want to go there when you're playing with the current MVP and the level of basketball that OKC are playing at this point? It doesn't. They don't attract players when they play this badly. I understand that, but I also think that the allure of cities like LA, Miami, these traditional free agent destinations are never going to fade. And the fact that you have Magic Johnson in your corner only heightens your ability to get some of these free agents. I understand what oh, you're saying. Can I, can I interject that really quickly? Yeah, go on. What free agents have signed with New York lately? I don't know if New York... Well, New York, I think, was an interesting one because they were so... They were so... Um, diseased by institutional okay. failure with Phil Jackson. So I would say okay. them and what happened with the Lakers after Kobe left, okay. those were kind of the okay. two what, most toxic What free areas. agents did Miami get this offseason? Miami got zero free agents, but... And they locked themselves into Olenek, James Johnson, Tyler Johnson. I, I disagreed with the moves that Miami made, but they still get the meetings. And I think that is still an indicator that people are still interested in going to Miami. It's the Pat Riley factor. It's the Magic Johnson factor. What I'm saying is if... Paul George, when Paul George, I should say, comes to meet with Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka this offseason, what is Magic Johnson going to say to him to try and get him to come to L.A.? Is he going to say, you can come play with Julius Randle, or is he going to say, you can come play with Lonzo Ball? Because I know what I would say. I, I don't know. I, I understand that they need more... You need to start picking which guys are going. You yeah. can't... And it's an assessment period. And it's going to be hard. You can't have all your guys, right? You know what? Then let then trade Julius Randle. Cut him free. Cut him loose. They should have kept D'Angelo Russell, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. You could be a sixth man of the year, honestly, in, no in kidding. two years. There was just too much. There was just too much uh, unresolved. There was just weird tensions at that point with the whole Snapchat fiasco. I think that's going to be a big, big miss for the them. Like, Magic Johnson pretty much just shut him, shut him out as soon as he came on board. There was no place for D'Angelo. And you never really know what's going on behind the scenes, but like the flashes that he showed for Brooklyn this year, I don't know. I really like D'Angelo Russell. Sure. Okay. So that's your resolution for the Lakers. Do you have any other teams that you're looking to resolve their their early season woes? Uh, early season woes, yeah. So another team, not in a dissimilar position than LA, but um, dissimilar insofar that no free agents would ever want to go there. The Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have had a bounty, a king's ransom of draft picks over the past two, three seasons. And the only guy that they've really hit on has been Devin Booker. Devin Booker is an incredible talent. And Devin Booker has this year and next year left on his contract. If I'm Devin Booker, let me play the role of Devin Booker for a second. Ask me if I'm staying in Phoenix. Hey, Devin Booker. Are you going to stay in Phoenix? Sorry, I got bad reception on the plane. I'm already gone. <laughs> I am already gone. The Phoenix Suns are one of the best examples in this modern NBA of why tanking doesn't necessarily work. And I, I think that if you have the draft picks and you have this ability to accrue top-level talent, what comes down to is talent identification. So my New Year's resolution for the Phoenix Suns, stop drafting players that can't shoot the basketball. Ooh. Right now, the Phoenix Suns this year are second last in the NBA in three-point percentage, 26th in field goal percentage, almost leading the league in both turnovers and fouls. They don't even really have that much cap room until 2019 to take on bad contracts and get more picks. And TJ Warren, who was, I was honestly kind of high on coming into the season, I thought he was a good contract extension, is shooting 17% from three this year. He signed for th five years, Adam. Five years. 
What are they doing in Phoenix? Has the sun melted their brains? I, what I love most about what you said there was that Phoenix are proof that the tanking model is not always going to bear rewards. It's Absolutely. not going to reap rewards. You can get stuck. And especially when you look at the Lakers and the Phoenix situation, they've both been poor for a similar amount of time at this point. The only difference is that the Lakers, because of their star power, they at least get these rumors that they might get these free agents. Exactly. So we could very well be talking about the Lakers missing on all these studs next year, and they're still stuck in this situation where, sure, there's a bit of talent, but you're still not going to win games. And I think the fact that the Phoenix Suns are still, they've hit on someone like Devin Booker and are still losing at just a rate that's, is, they're, they're staring at the lottery again next year and another fall. another middling draft pick, middle to early draft pick. It's it's so concerning. And the, th- the you look at tanking as a whole. The Minnesota Timberwolves had two number one picks, and they couldn't win. They yeah. couldn't win a damn basketball game. They got this heavily recruited coach to take over. Still couldn't win a damn game. The only time they won is when they got Jimmy Butler in, who has completely taken over that team. Yeah. So when you accrue these young guys and someone as good as Devin Booker, there is no guarantee with winning. I agree. And it's something that I'm really stressed out with in the Phoenix situation <laughs> because... They draft Josh Jackson, mm-hmm. and with that draft pick, they're unwilling to move him in a Kyrie deal. Oh, oh my God. And I'm not here to bash Josh Jackson. I know you're saying you want more shooting, which would be would would be very nice for a team that cannot shoot a basketball in any way, shape, or form. But when you looked at Josh Jackson, you thought, you know what? At worst, he's going to be an elite defender. Mm-hmm. And maybe he does end up being the perfect fit next to Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. But, God, it's just so tough when you reject a Kyrie deal that has him involved and a player called Eric Bledsoe who no longer plays on your basketball team. And then you see the guys, Donovan Mitchell, looking at you getting taken after him. and it's, Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith. It's like, I understand the whole fact with probability about having a higher draft pick. Yeah. But with probability, there is still no guarantee or certainty. It took the Sixers a million gazillion picks to land Embiid and Simmons. And even then, with those two talents, they're still not in a playoff spot. There's, I love the Sixers. I love Embiid. I love Ben Simmons. But they're still not in a playoff spot. So just to add to that, and taking a step back in this new sort of tanking era, I would say, the, the things that people don't often talk about is what you have around these draft picks. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to organizational excellence. We talked about the Spurs and the Spurs way and how they've kept success for so long. Not dissimilar to the New England Patriots and the NFL, among other teams, but what people don't really stress enough, I don't think, is the ability of front office to identify talent correctly within the draft and then the ability to develop that talent. And that's why the 76ers moving away from Hinky, moving towards Colangelo, is very, very concerning to me. Because I've watched Colangelo work, and it's not good. But the Phoenix Suns, what's the identity of the Phoenix Suns? What, are the, what is their strategy? What is their makeup of their team? And that's the thing. with the When, when you look at the Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris picks, yeah. I would like to... Okay, I would like to pick a Phoenix Sun fan's brain to see what they think about this, the the Bender Chris dynamic. Because what 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 was their idea in these? They're both 
project players that were incredibly raw, but maybe there was untapped potential to become something. Were they looking in the future to have a, a Bender Chris front court? Or were they looking at, you know what, let's just get as much talent as possible and maybe one of these two ends up being the player that we wanted in the future? Chris, sure, he's improved in the last month of basketball. He has, yeah. The highlight reel game-winning block was was pretty damn good. He's an athletic guy. He still is fouling like nobody's business, which he did in college as he, well. I think that comes down to what we were talking before, like coaching. Like what you need to have around these young guys, how to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And they don't look like they can play in the NBA at all. And when you have like Alex Len and Tyson Chandler and Greg Monroe, like if that's your big man rotation, it becomes very, very difficult to play the modern brand of basketball, in my opinion. It's just, it's it's a weird team. And what I want to know is, I would love for a member of the Phoenix Suns front office to describe to me in detail what their strategy is, has, and will be with their team. Because it's lost on me. I, I Yeah, exactly. Well, what, so you're saying they need to pick up guys that can shoot the basketball now? They need to have players from college, and you know I'm going to ride for my guy, Trey Young. I think that you look at a guy like that who's projected to go fourth overall. It's pretty close to where the Suns have their draft pick this year. I think you need to find a proven score from college that can come in and add some impact and potentially make Devin Booker think twice about leaving. I don't know if that's salvageable at that point, mm-hmm. but you need to have something. You need to have some exciting player aside from Devin Booker to come in and be a You know what would have kept Devin Booker around more? What's that? Kyrie Irving, probably. Yeah, probably, right? Um, then then the identity of that team starts to come together, right? You have Kyrie, you have Devin Booker. That's a really, really, really strong backcourt. And you just have a cooler, less, even less defensive version of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Exactly. <laughs> Who even needs defense? Yeah. But then at least you have an identity for your team. You have stuff to build around. This way... You just let them blow by and Marquise Chris would just tackle them as they came to the paint. <laughs> Marquise Chris is fouled out in 54 seconds. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I think, I mean, I, I would really love to be in a fly on the wall during these draft meetings that the Suns have because I don't think that they're even having meetings. I think they're just, like, picking cards, and that's the way that they draft their players. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, the Josh Jackson shooting woes were highly documented, but he was still projected to go that high, and they went with it, and he seemed to be a fit next to Booker, but, man, it's going to be tough. You They need to find someone through free agency, maybe a late round pick. Some diamond in the rough needs to emerge and needs to be something that Phoenix and Devin Booker can look at and move forward with in order for them to take at least a step towards mediocrity. Because but if, you're, if your strategy is finding a diamond in the rough, that's not really a strategy. And you really need to reconsider how you run your basketball franchise. I'm going to shift to something a little more positive. Something... That has been probably top three, top five storylines in the NBA has probably been the OKC Thunder. There, why can't they be what everyone thought they were going to be? What is their problem? Sure. They were out. They were outside the playoff picture, looking in mm-hmm. for a lot of this year. Yet that story has taken a huge shift, and it's all been thanks to one player in particular, mm-hmm. the reigning MVP, the now Western Conference Player of the Month. Russell Westbrook. And I think Russell Westbrook's New Year's resolution has to, it has to, it has to be to just stop shooting so many goddamn threes. (laughs) And 
with this resolution, there comes a caveat. The only time you should be allowed to shoot a three is when it's those irrational ones from deep off the dribble late in the fourth to win a game. Because that is the only time when I'm watching a OKC Thunder game that I think Russell Westbrook's going to hit a three. Yeah. I think that to tell Russell Westbrook that he can no longer shoot threes is going to be like trying to tell a teenager that they can't go out on Saturday night. All you're going to go into <laughs> is just this act of rebellion. Let me tell you this. Russell Westbrook is a man that cannot be contained. Russell Westbrook is going to dress crazy. He's going to act crazy. He's going to shoot crazy shots. So if you're not down with, with Russell Westbrook shooting crazy threes, you're not down with Russell Westbrook, period. And I think that Russell Westbrook can only play the way that he currently plays. Okay. I understand what you're saying there, but I'm just <laughs> going to disagree by throwing some stats in your, in your little brain there. Yeah, hit me. Since December 9th, Russell Westbrook has only averaged 2.73s per game. Mm-hmm. In that span, they've gone 10 and 4, and they had their big win streak, and now they're in the fifth mm-hmm. in the Western Conference. Yeah. In contrast, last season, he shot over seven threes per game for the entire season. When he's gone through this win streak, this 10 and 4 record, and put them into the fifth seed, he's even ramped up his field goal attempts, which means that. He's not only shooting less from outside, but he's shooting more as a whole, which means a lot more of these shots are coming from at the rim, Mm -hmm. where he thrives, and in that pull-up mid-range game where he's pretty much unstoppable. The old sprint and then stop on a dime and shoot it. So, with his improved shot selection, Mm -hmm. there is a direct correlation between his improved shot selection and OKC's success. Yeah, I agree with that. There's a difference between when you when you take shots of that nature, it comes with a level of assertiveness and aggressiveness because you have to be aggressive and assertive to get those shots from the interior. It's a lot easier to lazily shoot from the outside than to be the Russell Westbrook that everyone knows and loves and just gets to where he wants in the paint, around the edges of the of the paint as well, elbow jumpers. Those are the shots that make defenses sweat. Mm-hmm. And we watched the game last night against mm-hmm. the Clippers. And that fourth quarter offense was damn... It was inc- it was so, so, so impressive. Because with the play... They're working the way that we hope they'd work now. Melo is Olympic Melo. He shot, I think, maybe 9 of 12 from the field, 10 of 13. Got some he's water gonna, dumped on him after the game. He's gonna, he's gonna hit those shots. Yeah. They... Go from they have their high screen and roll with Westbrook and Adams, which is always something you're going to go to in the well. Yeah, you also have their doing various pin down screens, double screens for Paul George off the ball now. Yeah, that's always going to work when Russell Westbrook penetrates now as well. You have Adams roll into the rim, Adams is kind of working incredibly well as that link man as well because everyone and their mother needs to go help defend on Westbrook when he penetrates. As soon as you get to Adams, the ball left his hands in 0.1 seconds to an open shooter around the around the arc. Unfortunately, it was Raymond Felton, but I, I digress. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a, that's another <laughs> issue that we may touch upon. But his assertiveness has allowed other players to find their role in the team, mm-hmm. and it's kind of similar. It's not a like for like comparison, but the D Wade Lebron dynamic in Miami, where they couldn't really figure out who the alpha was or 
how they were going to play together, what shot selection each player was going to take, who's going to take the ball in the fourth. It was LeBron was incredibly deferential all the way into that NBA Finals against the Mavericks where he was just happily moving the ball along. And it wasn't until LeBron kind of took the Miami Heat by the scruff of the neck and just said, come with me and just follow my lead. And then Dwayne Wade, being a Hall of Fame player, bounced off of that. He became the Robin to LeBron's Batman. Mm -hmm. And I think with Westbrook just taking the team and just saying, this is how I'm not going to change the way I play, it's allowed someone like Paul George to figure out where he fits in the team. It's allowed Melo to, you know what, just be a scorer, Melo. That's what you're going to do. And then he was also moving the ball along a lot more because there's so much more there's so much more options for an offensive player when Westbrook's this aggressive. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Paul George's career jump this year has been being able to play off the ball and being the elite defender on that team. And I don't think necessarily this year he is their most... <laughs> I don't think he is necessarily this year their most important player. But... He's the one that has the biggest degree of effectiveness when he is on or off the court. Because defenses know what Russell Westbrook is going to do, right? He's going to be crazy. He's going to be athletic. He's going to be a Tasmanian devil. He's going to sprint, stop on a dime at the free throw line, pull up, and knock down a jimmy. But what they can account for is Paul George running off screens. Melo having an elbow jumper. The double team comes over. He kicks out to somebody else. It's a damn shame this team doesn't have like one or two more guys to bring off the bench to be mm-hmm. shooters or scorers. And hey, maybe there's a trade to make. The OKC Thunder, and I'm on record as saying this, during their slump, were a team that were going to figure it out because of the talent that they had. And I think you're seeing the beginning of the OKC Thunder beginning to figure it out. And I think that... People have been all over the Rockets, Warriors, Western Conference Finals, all but assumed. They're still OKC. Minnesota could do something. But I think if you're looking at one contender to disrupt that Warriors, Rockets, um, you know, twosome at the top, OKC Thunder should not be denied. All right. Well, don't forget San Antonio Spurs, who absolutely eviscerated the Rockets last year in the playoffs. And lest we forget. No, no, no. Don't bring it up again. It hurts my heart every time we talk about... Oh, fuck you, Zaza. Every time we talk about that play, it hurts my heart. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, when we watched the Christmas Day game, the OKC Thunder really... <laughs> a really, really tough matchup now for the Rockets. When you can just throw two of the best... Well, two of the four best people to guard James Harden. You're not going to nullify James Harden, but, he, man, you're making him sweat. Yeah. And just... There is a different style to the team, the defense that really gave Golden State fits in the playoffs when KD's last year. Yeah, they don't necessarily have the same uh, wingspan with Ibaka and Durant on, but they're still an incredibly good defensive outfit, and I think that's something that you're going to be able to bank upon for the future. As a whole, the one problem that you've kind of touched upon is bench-wise. There's still, there's still. They're still searching for a fifth man and a credible bench. Jeremy Grant, sure, he's a good backup. He makes good plays. There is no other big man that they can play if Adam gets in foul trouble. Right. Uh, Patrick Patterson, he's been always called that glue guy, but doesn't look good this year. He, I know that you're happy that you get to watch him miss threes for a team that's not the Toronto Raptors now. And don't get me wrong, I I really like Patrick Patterson, and I'm sure he's a great guy, but. 
he's significantly regressed this last year in Toronto and then this year in, in OKC. Sure. And the only the only issue that I still have with OKC as a whole, I was very, very excited for him coming up in the season. I actually had him ranked a little bit above Houston. Probably going to take that one back. <laughs> but uh, no, they're, they're playing well. The only issue is the, the Roberson-Anthony dynamic makes it tough because against these teams that are so, so good at this point, the Warriors, the Rockets, they exploit every little weakness you have. When Robeson and Anthony are both on the floor together, you have one negative offensively and you have one negative defensively. Yeah, you're playing four on five in both ends. And they're going to have to figure out how they can alleviate that. There's been a Terrence Ferguson sighting the last two games. <laughs> the windmill, baby. Their first-round pick, the 19-year-old, who, I'll give you a little fun fact. What team did Terrence Ferguson play with professionally before signing with the OKC Thunder? Can you give me a country? Oh, no, that won't be as good. Why? All right. Australia. Ooh, the Melbourne Storm. <laughs> Is that a team? No, that's a that's a rugby team. Oh, fuck. I don't know who. The Adelaide 36ers. Oh, the 36ers. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, Russell Westbrook, stop shooting threes, be aggressive. I will say the only caveat to this Thunder run is... I am going to be very interested to see what happens during what during a playoff game where things aren't going well because this is a volatile team and we cannot forget that Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook are on the same team and Billy Donovan's going to earn a salary when they're losing a playoff game and the fingers start getting pointed at each other and Roberson is just standing around being a big dude and Stephen Adams is going to get in the middle. There's strong personalities and I think it's going to be interesting. Anyway, I digress. The last resolution. I have for 2018 has to deal with the distant cousins of the 36ers, the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers are a very, very interesting team. And they had so much hype at the beginning of the season with Embiid playing super well, Simmons being better than anyone thought he was going to be. Suddenly, people started talking about, wow, the 76ers, they can make a little playoff run potentially. Look at the guys, they're playing so well. The one variable... The one real unanswered question that the 76ers have at this point in the season is the extremely weird medical updates that are coming out on Twitter about they, their first overall draft pick this past year, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is a big question mark around the 76ers right now because he was drafted to be the primary ball handler for the 76ers, and yet about 30 seconds into the first game of the season, it became all too apparent that Ben Simmons was going to be the primary ball handler for the 76ers. I really like the 76ers starting lineup. I don't think they put as much into their bench as they will in the future, so they have a lot of flexibility around that aspect of their team. But I think that if I am Brian Colangelo, and I shudder to say that, I'm only looking at building around Simmons and Embiid. And if Fultz can't play off the ball, then he has to go. So that's a resolution? My resolution is if Markel Fultz can't play off the ball, he has to go. Well, they drafted Markel Fultz because he can play off the ball. Um, First of all, (laughs) this is the most ice-cold take of all time. Build around two of the best talents we've seen in the past five years. That's your take. My take <laughs> Build is, around Joel Embiid my and take is Ben this. Simmons. My take is this. Also, try and get LeBron James when he's a free agent. I never say anything about LeBron James. LeBron I'm just James, saying is, is at that level of obviousness. LeBron James is not coming to Philadelphia. 
But Markel Fultz, <laughs> I would trade Markel Fultz. I would trade Markel Fultz probably either in this offseason or in the beginning of next year. And I would probably trade him for Devin Booker. Because <laughs> oh, Devin Booker is not going to stay in, in Phoenix. And I don't think Markel Fultz fits into the makeup of this team. You have some weird fantasy for Devin Booker joining the Sixers, which I just would be see cool. it in the stars. But, okay, this New Year's resolution, I think everyone... I Maybe Brian Colangelo is the only person that doesn't see this. But, yes, no, no, duh. No, doy you building around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, Markel Fultz, that's a whole fiasco. Um, I'm unwilling to trade a number one pick one year into signing him. And I think even dangling him as trade bait raises so many red flags that teams are going to be lukewarm to ice cold at best to trade for him for anything of value. Let alone Devin Booker, who is, what did we draft him in our under-23 job? I think I took him fourth overall. Yeah. So, no way in hell are Phoenix ever parting with Devin Booker. Well, let's say you're the Phoenix GM and you say, hey, Devin Booker, would you like to sign this five-year max contract? And Devin Booker laughs at you and then leaves. I think that is a more probable situation that happened than him saying, sure, I'd love to stay in Phoenix for five more years and waste my career here. So if you're the Phoenix GM and you know that Devin Booker is going to leave, why not get your weird fantasy of having undeveloped raw talent come play in Phoenix? Mm. Isn't, isn't Markel Fultz and Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris playing together what the Phoenix Two, Suns wet Washington dream is? Huskies. Isn't that the Phoenix Suns wet dream though, having all these unproven raw talents? Just untapped, just endless untapped potential. Exactly. Why not? Why not throw uh I don't know. You have all these guys though that haven't proven anything. And I think that once JJ Reddick leaves after this year, which I assume that he will because they're paying him quite a bit of money and he's he's getting older. He's played really well for them, but the unanswered question in this 76ers team is who's going to play the two and you have Simmons playing point you have all these other guys that have slotted in nicely Roko's been a great find Sarich I think is playing well but you need to have a long-term plan for that position. they are an unconventional team with the fact that you have Ben Simmons as your primary ball handler I don't know why you think Redick would necessarily leave he's kind of on a one-year they have cap from one-year prove-it deal I'm sure at his age, he probably enjoys being a part of that team. His mm-hmm. podcast, he's said just as much. Mm-hmm. He's in that mentorship role. I'm sure he would sign a contract uh, with less money involved after sure getting that one year. And I don't think any other teams are going to throw that level of money. They've signed Robert Covington to a what I think is a great deal. Yeah. So you have two people that I think fit the mold that Sixers want to go with. It's just the fact the whole trust the process. It's another is a Lakers situation. The Sixers have been uh, for a, a bad team. They've been under the heaviest microscope. There's the most eyeballs on because of the tanking situation, mm-hmm. because of yeah, Embiid, the process, <laughs> their num- their weird injury injury histories in that team. The I don't Alex, know what their team doctors. They've probably got Tom Brady's Alex Guerrero shaman doctors Center. over there. Yeah, TB12 Medical Center. Exactly. So I think really it was more of a... There was so many eyeballs that people overreacted both positively and negatively for them. Whereas they're really around... They're around 500 to 18 and 19. Uh, they're exactly kind of where you'd think they'd be. And like we said, there was two number one picks in Minnesota and they couldn't win a damn game. So the fact that Ben Simmons and Embiid together as your cornerstones are hovering around 500, I think that's perfectly fine for them. They're not, people are in a rush to 
win now. And Sixers have uncovered two people that they can build around. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to win now. They, at best, get maybe two games in a first-round playoff series. Sure, it'd be nice to see JoJo and Ben Simmons in the playoffs. But their future is three years down the line, four years down the line. That's why I don't want to part with Markel Fultz. That's why Covington locked up is fine on a cheap contract. And you're going to keep looking. And you're going to attract free agents with that level of talent. The one most interesting situation with the Sixers is the restricted free agency of Dario Saric. Because I thought he fit in really well with Embiid as the four. He's just a... He's one of the most unique players in the game today. Good facial hair as well. Great facial hair. Looks like a good villain. Yeah. With the with the mustache. He can he can shoot the ball. He can rebound the ball. He's an incredible passer, playmaker. I'm keeping my eye on closely um what happens with Dario Saric if they increase his role on the team. If they wanna look to re-sign him, maybe they trade him for something early if they don't see him in their future. And what team in the in the offseason as well will look to get him? Because I think there's an incredible amount of untapped potential with him. If, well. you're the, if you're the 76ers, I don't know why you would even consider trading or not re-signing 23-year-old Dario Sarge. Who I but you've just you. said just build around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and don't care about anyone else. He's one you of the situ- me- he's someone that you really have to think about right now because he's going to be a free agent and he's not going to come cheaply at all. I agree with that. What I mean is you have to... Obviously, those are your two cornerstones. No one's disagreeing with that. But it's who you fill in around those guys that I think is going to make you from a good team to a great team. And what I'm saying is I don't think Markel Fultz is ever going to take you to the next level because of the makeup, how this team is currently built. Dario Saric is such a great player for them. Robert Covington is the exact same. But... J.J. Redick, I agree. He's an older player. He's played really well this season. He might resign. But if your long-term plan or your plan for the next two years to have J.J. Redick starting in your starting five, I don't think necessarily that's the best strategy to have. I think it's incredibly the right strategy to have. But you have have these... Who says he's going to start next year? He's the exact gatekeeper that you want holding down a spot he's consistent while you have all these struggles with if jj reddick wasn't there and these mark the markel fault situation was going on it would be high to such a degree because they'd have a no-name two guard in there that's playing horribly mm-hmm. but the fact that jj has played so well is completely help is kept them afloat with the whole fault situation so why not have jj reddick there and man he's gonna become 35 36 37 going along sure Transition. Be a Kyle Korver off of the bench. He's going to be more than willing to that. As soon as Markel Fultz is ready to step into that position, then he'll step into that position. But I don't think having Redick there is any by any means stunting their growth or stunting their long-term picture. You have him there for the very reason to be a safety net, and you need veterans to have a safety net. That's what's been wrong with them all along is having no veterans. Now you have one. That's... I, don't, I just don't see any negative. If Redick is willing to have a 50% salary decrease and a roll off the bench, then I'm totally fine with KPM. But part of their success, their limited success this year, has been having Redick to be able to space the floor and shoot down these threes. What I'm saying is that's a good model. Don't go away from that model. Find another player, hopefully a younger player, that you can have to sub in and be that guy. And I don't think Marco Fultz is going to sub in and be that guy. I mean, this, there's too many hi- question marks and hypotheticals around Marco Fultz to really have a clear decision. But all I want to go back to is that he was a consensus number one pick by everyone that is in the know. 
I can't say I've watched a lot outside of YouTube clips of him and reading a lot from draft so-called draft experts that also had Donovan Mitchell like 16th. Yeah. So I'm for now. I just can't. I can't have a hot take on this because I think he still. He surely there is potential there that led him to become a number one pick and a draft that was so loaded. I just. I just don't want to be overreactionary. I want to let me see how he plays when he comes back on the court, and then we'll make our decision from there. This is my thinking. Markel Fultz's draft value, or sorry, trade value, will probably, in my mind, never be higher than it is right now because there's still all this untapped potential. If you are Jerry Brian Colangelo and Jerry Colangelo for that matter, would you rather use your cap space on? You know, building and having some bench guys and re-signing JJ Redick and having Markel Fultz and there's always gonna be that question mark about where he plays and how he fits in. Or would you rather go for a real two guard like one of the unrestricted free agents that are coming out that year, like Avery Bradley or Will Barton? Because those are the kind of guys that I think will sub in super nicely to this team, play good defense, shoot the three, and come in and start being a, a productive player right away. I couldn't disagree more. You're not shipping on a number one pick this early. Ship them. Speaking of draft picks and their value, a team that has championship aspirations, the Cleveland Cavaliers, also hold on to the Brooklyn Nets draft pick, which has been one of the most coveted draft picks and has been put in every fake trade since since time began. <laughs> and... <laughs> Jesus Christ, go on. The Cleveland Cavaliers, you have a little New Year's resolution for them. And what is that? Don't trade the Brooklyn pick and don't sign any more old players to bad contracts. And I know it sounds like common sense, but I would say that the basketball media is very split on whether or not you trade that Brooklyn pick. As are we. Okay. My thinking is this. LeBron James, you have to assume, you have to prepare for the worst. And I, if, I'm, uh, if I'm the GM, I have to assume that he's going to leave after this year. That leaves you with a core group of guys with named Kevin Love and uh, J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson and Kyle Corbett and Jay Crowder. Those are the guys that you have for two more years. Isaiah Thomas is a free agent after this year. LeBron James has a player option. I think that this makeup of this team is going to change drastically regardless of whether they do trade that Brooklyn pick or not. So why would you handcuff yourself in having very little mobility and having those guys that you're going to win probably 35 to 45 games a year with and not have any sort of light at the end of the tunnel? You're just delaying the inevitable rebuild that you're going to have to go through anyway unless you're telling me that you'd like to re-sign Isaiah Thomas, in which case I would disagree with that as well. Okay. Here's my thinking. The Cleveland Cavaliers have the greatest player that I've ever watched play basketball. In the prime of his career, in an MVP season, and you have a hypothetical asset that is unused that you could convert into something that helps him win a championship. And what is the goal for every NBA franchise at the end of the day? To be the Phoenix Suns. To win an <laughs> Yeah, or sign Bender and Marquise Chris. Yeah, either or. So from, from my thinking is, as the front office, you need to do everything you can to show him 
that you're willing to keep putting equipping equipping him with as much talent as possible at that given moment to win an NBA championship. Because at the end of the day, he is still the most valuable asset in the league. Whoever has him automatically becomes a title contender. So I know he's been coy on committing to anything. It's the modern-day NBA. The players hold all the power contractually, and what they decide where they get to go. Well, the top 20 players. The rest of us are left to... Yeah, the, less, the, the rest of, of the bums. Yeah, exactly. I think for them... Who knows how good the Brooklyn Nets draft pick is going to be? We've even talked about the fact that there's no guarantees with draft picks. Obviously, probability's sake, you want more high draft picks in order to get better. But the way I look at it is, if LeBron leaves next year, you're fucked either way. You're screwed either way. Having the 10th pick, potentially, is what he's going to look at, is not going to be... that. People aren't going to be like, oh, LeBron's left, but... At least we have the tenth pick in the NBA draft. That'll make us. That'll do us well. You're gonna bomb out anyways, and hope you're probably gonna be in the top three draft picks next year. I think they should do is trade that draft pick and Tristan Thompson's ugly, ugly contract for DeAndre Jordan, and he's expiring. And I do that because that crunch time five of Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, or J.R. Smith. Probably Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and DeAndre Jordan. Just think about that for a second. Sure, that's great. Let me, let me ask you this question: Do you think that lineup? What's the probability of that lineup beating the Warriors in the finals? Because better it, than it is with Tristan Thompson in there. Sure, I I don't disagree with that at all. You're also getting an ugly Tristan Thompson contract off the books. Sure. So if you really need to rebuild, then you have. If, if everything goes How do you sh- rebuild? How do you rebuild with that roster? How do you rebuild with the 10th pick? That's would, nothing. Would you rather LeBron leave and you have an ugly roster, but then you also have the 6th to 10th pick? Or would you rather not have that pick? Because I think it's a no-brainer that you'd rather have that pick. Okay, but, that's, but you need to equip LeBron with everything possible to win this year because this is the last time you guaranteed have the greatest player in the world on your team. Sure. Also... If you if say it all goes to shit and he leaves, DeAndre leaves, Isaiah leaves, the only contract you really have on the book long term ish is Kevin Love. You don't have Tristan Thompson's ugly contract on the book, so whatever you start from scratch there. I don't think the tenth pick is worth building around in case LeBron leaves. I would rather be like I'd rather mortgage. It's not even mortgaging your futures. Getting rid of one draft pick to help LeBron beat the Warriors. And do I think DeAndre can help him beat the Warriors? Absolutely. Okay. I think the one way you beat the Warriors is you out-rebound them so you can get more shot attempts in them. We'll look at my Memphis Grizzlies, the team that has given them the most fits in their entire dynasty run. And I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I've watched... I cannot believe I've watched that many Grizzly wins over the Warriors. And it's all come down to when they just get second-chance points and they just bully them on the boards. Who's the best rebounder in the game right now? DeAndre Jordan. He's averaging like 15 rebounds a game right now. The one concern I have is can he stay on the floor against him? And he has, he's, I don't think the Clippers have ever beaten the Warriors with DeAndre Jordan. No. They're just, they're just the, the whipping boys to, to Golden State. But, man. And they had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Who's going to stop him on the boards? I don't think that is the be-all, end-all of winning the championship this year, though. And if it's me... 
then I'm probably looking at keeping the Brooklyn pick and trying to package that and maybe Kevin Love for a really high draft pick this year and actually getting a guy to build around. Because if you can send Kevin Love... Why are you so resigned to losing LeBron? Because I think he's going to leave. Where is he going? He's going, I don't know, maybe he's going to the Lakers and then they sign Paul George. I have no idea. It doesn't matter. I think that... If you run your front office out of fear of players leaving... Why won't he commit? Why would any player commit at this point? Give me... If I'm the free... Why... What benefit is it for him to commit right now? If I'm the front office of the Cavs, I am asking for commitment so that I know how to run my franchise accordingly. I would Without disagree that with is, that. It's, it's impossible. It holds him accountable. I just... I, I would say the opposite. I think it's impossible to be accountable to something that you have no idea what you're even trying to be accountable towards. If LeBron's saying, yeah, I'm going to re-up two years for sure... The Brooklyn pick's already gone. You don't have to ask me twice. But if he is saying, I don't know what I need, I might leave, tell me what I can do to keep this guy. And then I'll act accordingly. But if that North Star, that goalpost keeps changing, Mm -hmm. I can't run my team like that. It's impossible. You want me to go get Dwayne Wade? Sure. You want me to try and sign uh, Tristan Thompson to a crazy contract? Sure. I'll do that for you, LeBron, because I want you to stay. But if you're making me do these things and then you're going to leave anyway, then why not keep the Brooklyn pick? Because he could leave. I don't know. I just think with the team set up right now, Isaiah Thomas looked great when he came back. Did it's he one ever, game. Let's calm down. Did he ever. That gets me excited. <laughs> sure. He's that's extra shooting for LeBron and extra playmaking and scoring ability to give LeBron a rest. I, Isaiah Thomas's debut, LeBron played his late, least minutes in the season at 34. Okay. That's something I like. I think Zach Lowe wrote about today, Kevin Love is having one of the sneakiest great seasons right now, and he's developed a great two-man game with LeBron. I think LeBron has everything he needs in this team right now. I don't think there's really that much better situations in the Eastern Conference to go to. Then why won't he commit to staying? Because he's never going to commit to staying. Why 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 would you you put all your eggs in a basket when you have all the power? You have all the cards in your chest right now. He already has a... We also, right now, what I'm talking about is we have to ignore the controversies and there's also the relationship between LeBron and that front office and the ownership with Dan Gilbert. Maybe Dan Gilbert should have kept David Griffin around and paid him a real GM salary. Maybe that would have been a good deal. But nonetheless, what I'm saying is if you are the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point, I'm going to LeBron and I'm asking for a secret handshake backroom deal and saying, look... Tell me what I need to do to keep you, because I don't want to. I don't want you to leave, and you can be, you can be the best player of all time if we can win you maybe two more rings. Tell me what I need to do to keep you so we can win two more rings, because I will do whatever it takes. I will go way into the luxury tax. I'll do whatever. But if I don't have any sort of guarantee, I don't have any sort of statement. I don't have LeBron playing Phantom GM anymore and telling me what he wants. Then. My thinking is I need to start preparing for the worst and I need to accrue as many assets as possible to put my franchise in a good position. The light at the end of the tunnel, if you're the Cleveland GM, you're probably not going to get re-signed anyway, so who really cares? No Cleveland GM ever gets re-signed. Ah, man. I just think you're fucked either way if LeBron James leaves (laughs) and the 10th pick is projected to be the 10th pick right now is not... You, it's that's that's not enough of an asset 
to be excitedly rebuilding around would in the rather, future. Would you rather have Laurie Markin or Donovan Mitchell or not have those guys? Would you rather be able to package the pick in Kevin Love towards the Phoenix Suns and maybe getting their pick? Like, I think there's things that you can do with that draft asset that you can't do otherwise. And that's the reason that I say it's important to keep it. Yeah, that draft asset could turn into DeAndre Jordan and then you've traded Kyrie for Isaiah and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a bad plan, but then it comes back to if you really think DeAndre Jordan is the thing to get you over the hill, and if it is, then yeah, go ahead and do it, but I don't think it is. I think it gives them the best opportunity at this point right now. Well, I always like when we disagree, and this podcast I think has been our most disagreeable. We're almost at an hour though, so I think it is time to wrap it up. Adam, apart from the NBA New Year's resolutions, do you have any 2018 New Year's resolutions? Uh, I don't know. I had to like keep in touch with family members more, and then I spent two and a half weeks with them, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm throwing this one out the window already. Fair enough. My 2018 resolution is to watch more basketball. I'm going to oh, increase ooh. my watching from 85% of my time to 95% of my time. Hey, that's always a good option. Exactly. Give me more Phoenix Suns. Anyway, you can listen to us. Uh, this has been our extended podcast after the extended break. We'll be back next week on our regular schedule on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Adam, what's your Twitter handle? How can people follow you and get in touch? You can follow me at Adam McQueen NBA. You can also follow me on Medium, Adam McQueen, and follow all my posts on the 94 Feet Report. There should be more coming up shortly. Like I said, I had a little holiday break, stuff in my gullet, and I'll be back to writing soon enough. There you go. Thank you for listening. Peace out. Later. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Why I would I never wear a big baller shirt. No, I didn't Don't say that. Don't talk to me, but I heard you say I'm not even wearing I, I said that I... You're a great reporter, just not reporting on me. Next. Well, next, well, next. Well, well. Let me tell you something. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane.